manifestation for derail it. Uh, and on that note, hello and welcome <laughs> to another episode of Lore Council, the podcast from Shieldwall Productions, where we talk about everything and anything lore related. And this is the 19th episode, which means we are talking about the shadowy stealth masters, the Raven Guard. And speaking of we, you heard him at the start of the podcast because he wouldn't shut the fuck up. It is myself, John, and... Nathan. Hey. So... Keeping with the theme of the numerical theme that we only decided to do, um, like halfway through, not even halfway, no episode ha- fifteen. Yeah, yeah. And there's no saying halfway through because we don't know how many how many episodes this is gonna run. So well, I mean, halfway through the current points, almost. Yeah, yeah. So don't fret, dear listeners. We'll get to the other legions in due course. We've we For did the most part. yeah we did do also we were excited to talk about yes, and we already got thousand suns out of the way with. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> we mentioned them. We did. We Twice. D- yes. We also did the Space Wolves. Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> I did do that. <laughs> and no one complained. Nope. I have yet to meet a serious Thousand Sun player. Like, dedicated hardcore. Like, they run nothing but Thousand Suns. Like, like you, you've you run Thousand Suns, but you've also run them in conjunction with well, other things. I run Aramans Dying Force that's like... You hey, run the right Thousand Suns. Hey, look, we don't have very many of our own people, so hey, Berserkers, you want to die, right? Yeah, go fight them. Uh-huh, go yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. Go absorb bullets, sponges. Mm-hmm. Hey, remember the Night of Wolf? They do. <laughs> yeah, we do. Man, you really, like, you were not wrong. You did not let this train leave the station before derailing it. Ugh. All right, Raven Guard. How do you let the train get to the station? No, no. Went to the wrong station. <laughs> List on by. Anyway, Raven Guard. Stealth, there's a lot of legions that, well, there's a handful of there's legions that three use. three legions that use stealth tactics. That use stealth tactics, and technically four that use psychological tactics. If you include the Space Wolves in that. Yes. Because you've got the three stealth ones. You've got the Alpha Legion, the Night Lords, and the Raven Guard. That use stealth, but they also use each of them a degree of psychological warfare. Which I, lo- you, I uh, have you heard the analogy of how each one uses stealth? You've told me in the past, and I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to prompt you for this. Go. All right. So the night lords, you're terrified because you know they're coming, mm-hmm, and you know what they will do. The raven guard, you're terrified because you don't know they're coming. Mm-hmm. Alpha legion, he's been your best friend for the last three years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> been your best friend for the last three years, and now he's stabbing you in the back. Yep. Yep. And apparently his n- name was not Steve. It was apparently Alpharius all along. <laughs> and then throwing in the psychological warfare there for the wolves, they're also going to tie into the same school of uh, thought as the Night Lords in that you know they're coming, but it's more of just like, you know, the blunt brutality that's coming along with them, the animal ferocity rather than you, the you, just you, twisted... you know they're coming. You also know exactly what route they're taking right. because they won't shut up. Right. But then that... along with the ra- uh, when working with the Raven Guard, they don't use secure channels. No. Because their enemy already knows where they are. Right. So what's the point? Exactly. <laughs> so what is the damn point? Um, which is similar to what the Night Lords do, you know. You know that they're coming, that's why they're terrifying, but it's not because of the bl- blunt animalistic ferocity that's coming along with this, the twisted sadism that's coming along with the Night Lords. Also, you know they're arriving, you don't know when or where. You just know that it's going to be at night. Yee. Whereas the wolves, they'll come whenever they want. And you'll hear them several miles away. Yeah, and that's what makes it terrifying. (laughs) But the Raven Guard are much more terrifying because you don't know that they're out there. Rather, you, rather, when Raven Guard are there after the initial engagement, you know that they're out there, but you don't know where and you don't know when they're going to strike. And if you know they're around, 
pray you're not in command because you're dying first. Yep. That was that is always been the hallmark is go for the head of the snake. Yep. Cut off the head, the body will fall. Will no wonder play. they didn't want to fight Alpha Legion. Yeah. Cut off the head of the Hydra, three more grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, but Raven Guard, as far as, you know, you don't know what they're out there, as far as allies go in 40k, if there's rumors of space marines coming to a theater where guardsmen are beleaguered, a lot of them, if they don't know when they're going to arrive, they are the guardsmen are just like, you know, if they've arrived, we hope that they already arrived and we hope that it's the Raven Guard and that they're already out there ready waiting for the right moment to strike we just need to hold out long enough for them to get into position like they're a rallying force that doesn't even need to be present <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's the raven guard maybe they're just waiting to be positioned we just need to hold out until that happens mm-hmm. and then they see like the yellow of the imperial fist like oh, oh they just haven't shown up yet yeah the yellow and the just haven't shown up yet and because the fist is here we're all gonna die <laughs> Could be worse. They could see a silver with a red eye on it. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah she's like, mm. what's that one? Oh, that means we're all fucked. Yeah. What's that one? Don't worry about it. Just not fighting now. You're gonna die anyways. Yeah. 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 Don't bother retreating. You're just you're pr- prolonging the inevitable. But um, <laughs> all right. Time to consult my little handy dandy notebook here because I started doing that again. <laughs> um, founded on Terra, and they took part in. The initial capitulations during the Unification Wars, specifically in the Asiatic region, so like kind of yeah. not far from the Imperial <laughs> Palace, really. Well, yeah, uh, Imperial Palace is in the Himalayas, which mm-hmm. is southwestern Asia. Yep. Yeah, so the Raven Guard were not far from there. No. And they very much specialized in rounding up, in like launching lightning ambush strikes and hurting these uh, techno barbarians during the capitulation of um, Kerr, I think. Um, launching these strikes that would just throw the enemy armies into disarray and funneling them, before they even realized it, already into their internment camps. <laughs> the enemy soldiers already into their prison camps. Just by pure panic and just, like, routing them with precision ambushes, and that was the Raven Guard's hallmark thing. But another one of the hallmark things that has stuck with them ever since Terra is, for whatever reason, there'll be moments when some of them are fighting, where they'll just get a little bit too lost in it. Sort of like the Black Rage, sort of like the Cursed Wolf, but, like, just detached cold and calculating not quite outright berserk but like just mechanical cold ruthless efficiency that just heightens their already so they turn to iron hands kind of <laughs> yeah but like objectively a little bit more terrifying because they're just silent the entire time whereas the iron hands will be you know they won't be quiet about it and like it'll happen and then some of them will just recover and be like oops and the rest of the raven guard will be like what? I'm like, sorry about that. Sorry about what? They just won't talk about it. Because, like, you had you had a moment. You needed to, you needed to work through some stuff. It's done now. But then others wouldn't, and they'd just kind of be lost to that just kind of perpetual, just like, come get me when we're going to war again. Very much to go Winter Soldier. You know, they just kind of wait and just, you know, wait for the activation words. Um, and that's always been a thing from even the Terranborn. After the unification of Terra... They go out to the great, wider Great Crusade, and they end up getting paired w- kind of naturally with the Luna Wolves because they're very complementary styles. And because and plus, when you put them on the battlefield, you have yin and yang symbols because <laughs> you have the white and black armors. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But earlier then, they weren't actually full black armor; they were more dark gray, not quite like Space Wolfy Storm Gray, but you know, yeah, um, gray. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but they very, they paired very naturally with the suns with the uh, Luna Wolves. And because Horus was found very early on, um, 
he kind of that happened with a lot of different legions. They get paired with the Luna Wolves, kind of learn how to fight alongside other Astartes and kind of, you know, cut their teeth and make sure that they are as prepared as they're going to be whenever they eventually did find their Primarch. But Horus took to them in such a way that he appreciated them just a little bit more than the other legions that he worked along that the Luna Wolves worked alongside with, because they were just such complementary styles. Luna Wolves very much land strike over the head of the snake, but very much like here we are and we're going that way. Deal with it. But so quickly that they can't. But the Raven Guard very much kind of used as an assassin's blade that did the exact had the exact same form and function, but stealthily and quietly, so that all that the all that horse need to do is go and suddenly Raven Guard are on the enemy. <laughs> but he would keep them concealed so that, you know, they'd be ready, ready to go, and if they if a planet denied being brought into the Imperium, okay, Assassin's Blade falls before the enemy even before even really seldom being told to. Like they get like Hey, so the enemy has so the people down below haven't, and they're already going. <laughs> Where are they? They're they're doing their job. Yep. But then other times, like they'll accept the imperial truth, and they'll be withdrawn, never even having the enemy, the people, the plants, never even knowing that they were a threat, that they were there. And Horus treated them very much kind of like as a chapter of his own legion that was aside from his own legion, in how well they took to each other. Um, and. With the Luna Wolves having all the kind of hallmarks of their homework Lechthonian, the gang tattoos and stuff like that, the Raven Guard, not a whole lot of adornment, you know, very plain, except for they would use um, dirt and dust from the, Asi- the Asiatic region on Terra, where they first fought, to do tribal war paint on their faces under their helms. Um, so that earned them the names uh, the Pale Nomads due to their, pa- their alabaster pale skin, or the Dust Clad, as called by the Luna Wolves. Um, and even before, something to do with their gene seed, you know, they could start off with, you know, these kind of normal, maybe Caucasian or dusky-skinned warriors before, when they first become a starter, but then something about the gene seed just makes their skin just bleach white, <clears throat> and in some cases their eyes go, their eyes turn pure inky black. Like pupils, everything, irises, everything. And their hair, you know, even if it's dark, go pure midnight black sable. Just something in the gene seed, just like, you guys are just going to be weird. <laughs> but, like, terrifying sort of weird. Like, you know, never really explain, you know, some sort of flaw, but, like, just a very minor one, considering all the other gene seed flaws. Yeah, purely cosmetic. Yeah. Like, it ultimately could be a lot worse. What's uh, one of their founding chapters? The Kacharadons. Yeah. Yeah, the second founding chapter. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, we got to do the backstory, Nathan. There's still a lot of 30K to go through. Yes, but you expect me to leave the train alone? No. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I was here for the start of this podcast, Nathan. Um, now, while all that's going on, Corex lands, like all the Primarchs, he's scattered to the, all the, comp- you know, all the different <clears throat> ranges of the galaxy. He ends up being land- crash-landing on the moon of Lycaeus, very deep underground, and probably wouldn't have been found at all if it hadn't been by pure happenstance chance by a group of slave of mining slaves following an ore vein that tunneled into the into the uh, chasm he was he'd landed in he'd been tele- he'd ended up in and that was on the moon of Lycaeus above the world uh, the Kiavar which Lycaeus there's no real gentle way to say this it was a space gulag it, it's where the, the the regime the brutal regimes down below on like on uh, uh, Kiavar sent people with what they consider radical or dissonant political opinions that challenge the rule of the noble of the nobility down below. If you're a threat to our society, we're getting rid of you. Yes, and now mm. it wasn't just political prisoners up there. There were people who genuinely, you know, 
kind of should have been in prison, murderers and such. Murder, genuine criminals, you know. A prison's a prison's a prison. You got the one moon. Work with what you got. There's different yeah. wings of the prison for a reason. Just a good thing Cork landed in the political prisoner part of it. So he was caught kind of, you know, to actively fight against tyranny rather than murder all things! And like all Primarchs, matured very quickly, grew very quickly, and took on concept very quickly. But unlike all other Primarchs, he realized that he has this unique ability where if he doesn't want to be seen by anyone, by any eyes whatsoever, he just has to will it, and their eyes just won't register that he's there. He's not invisible, because there's times when he's moving through the prison, and you go through, like, biological scans or whatever, and he'd get picked up. You know, there'd be the outline, you know, the thermal outline, whatever, and the guards, you know, be like, looking, like, what is it? You know, they look, and they just, it's not there, and it's just like, okay, basically plot armor. Yeah. Plot plot concealment. He, he painted himself purple. Basically. Basically. Um, so he used that to move around through the prison and kind of learn the ways of the downtrodden and the oppressed and learn how much he hated tyrants and tyranny. And eventually used that and to... And then worked for the emperor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't he go traitor? Mm-hmm. You kind of got this guy who's like, hey, I'm going to rule everyone under my will. Yeah. I would go out throughout the galaxy and, oh, you're humans? You must obey me. Yeah. You don't like that? Cool. Here's my space marines. Yeah. When you put it that way, (laughs) it's like, well. I am the chaos player, though. This is true. Yeah, you are kind of there to poke holes in things. Yes. Um, But Gore actually has that ability to move throughout the prison and kind of organize the I, the overall rebellion on the moon of Lycaeus amongst all the prisoners, and it goes spectacularly well, as does all rebellions when led by a Primarch. Even Angron, his rebellion went spectacularly well. They all died. They all died, but up until, but it took the entire planet uniting against him. Yeah. And he was also kind of not working with a full deck. <laughs> to say the least, Nathan. A deck of 26. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah, like he... <laughs> He didn't have all. He didn't have all the uh, mental capacities as, his, say, Korax did, um, and neither did his entire army. So you know they didn't understand tact and defense. They just understand burn, 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 burn. Kill, main burn. Yes. Um, but right as Lycaeus is liberated, the emperor shows up, alone, no party, nothing. Shows up alone and speaks with Korax, and there's no real written records of what was discussed, but it's very much. The sense was very much gotten that he spoke to Korax a bit more at length about certain things than he did pretty much anyone else up until that point, uh, specifically about the warp and chaos, and maybe told Korax a little bit more than the other Primarchs, because after speaking with Korax and Korax's view on what he considered right and wrong, and just kind of the willingness to, you know, to fight for the good of humanity, you know, good of the downtrodden and all that sort of thing, he's like, I think this guy kind of needs to know. Like he's got the right, like he's got the right mindset. Like he needs to know a little bit more and kind of be prepared for tough choices that'll happen. And he said this much, you know, there will come at times in your life where you need to make very tough choices for the good of the many. And Cork's like, okay. And Emperor's like, have fun with that. Bye. You know, good luck with your rebellion. You know, I, you've got this in hand. I believe that I have utter faith in you, my son, that you can do this in such a way that it will benefit the good of the whole, no matter what the cost. And Cork's is like. Well, that's cryptic. 
Meanwhile, down below on the surface of the planet, the ruling class nobility is like, so our prison, where we get all our ores to fuel our factories and stuff like that, has just, you know, rebelled. We're going to fix that. And Quax is just like, that's adorable. You can try. You can try. <laughs> but then he kind of, kind of comes to realize, like, if they do counterattack, we are not armed and equipped in such a way that we can repel it. We've got all the weapons and arms that the guards have up here, but our supplies limited. We're not going to get resupplied. They've got an entire planet worth of resources and materiel to sub to put this rebellion to an end. And an actual trained army. Yes. Instead of, hey, here's some prisoners with weapons. Right. And no matter how many of those were actual, you know, militant fighters or murderers, whatever, it's still not going to trump Murderers are not an army. Right. I was just going to say, it doesn't trump a trained standing army. Yes. So Korax makes the very tough decision to send an atomic warhead down the orbital... Sh- like elevator shaft down to like the main capital to send a message like you answer to me you and you are tyrants no longer and is in that decision weighed very heavily upon him he's like once we press this button and drop there's literally no going back hundreds of thousands will die but millions will be saved this is a tough choice that needs to happen and if any of you who followed me thus far would not like to be a, do not want to be a part of this moment I will not blame you. You can go ahead and leave the room and have you, you know, have your hands nowhere near this. And everyone's like, "We're with you." Press the button already. You've earned it. <laughs> and he's like, "All right, here we go." Press it, and not long after, they receive a message like, "All right, what are your terms?" <laughs> the moon is re- renamed from uh, Lycaeus to Deliverance, and the emperor comes back. He's like, "That was kind of the whole tough choice for the good of the many thing. You passed the test, bud." Here's your legion. Uh, Here's a better military for you to lead. Yep. Very much so. And, of course, very much interested. And he goes and does, you know, the whole lightning tower to prove further loyalty to the Emperor on Terra. Da-da-da-da-da. But then once he's kind of getting his custom armaments from Mars, of all things he goes with, you know, he goes with the jump pack and the raven's wings and like that. But of all things that he goes with, in addition to lightning claws, you know, for raven's talons, and um, because... He doesn't need necessarily always need stealth. A heavy bolter sometimes. I think that he. I think that one he kind of picked up That's right. on uh, Istvan. That's right. Because he usually went with pistols. Right, the two Archaeotech pistols. Yep. And because Archaeotech doesn't really... It just means old as shit. I want to believe two Smith & Wesson 500s <laughs> just because. Like No, 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 no. He's got the Clint Eastwood 1870s. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm more on board with that even. Uh, 1876? Mm-hmm. The 45 log called single action revolvers. The hand cannons? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To kill everything more deader. Yes. But in addition to this, to those two, to two archaeotech pistols and his Raven Towns, he also has another very unique amongst all the other Primarchs weapons, even amongst their very strange and archaic all kinds of weapons. A powered lash, a whip made to use as a weapon, saying that the the tool of the tyrant shall be used to topple them. It's a, that is some interestingly poignant poetry and motion there. I feel like you need to work through some issues here, bud. But, like, sure, do you. Do you. You're always going to be a little weird and edgy, but sure. <laughs> sure, do you. Um, and the haircut didn't help him with that one. Yeah, no, like, oh. Even in the artwork and the models, just like, hmm. Go to a stylist. <laughs> like, Corex, do you cut your own hair? Because I think you cut your own hair. 
Like, maybe borrow some of the stylus from, I don't know, Vulgrim or Sanguinius. If you're going to have the long hair, like... Do it right. Yeah. Because there weren't all that many that did have the long hair. Um, I want to say Kurz? Kurz, but his was not styled. It was very no. much like he just had the kind of long, mangy... Uh, Lehman Russ? Lehman Russ, yeah, and he did, you know, kind of the whole Viking style of things. Yeah. Um, is just long, flowing, angelic locks where, you know, you just see that and you hear the, Hallelujah! <laughs> which he would hate, because, you know, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a deity. Ignore, the, ignore, ignore the, the feathered wigs. Yeah, no, I'm just a Primarch. I can't turn, I, there's just always things just kind of chanting around me. Mm, it I can't happens. help it. it, it just, it weirds me out too. Like, trust me, I hear it before you hear it every day, <laughs> And then there's Fulgrim, who, like, I'm pretty sure is just followed by a team of stylists. I'm pretty sure he has, like, you know, instead of, like, one surf to do his armor, he's got, like, 12. Mm -hmm. And then, like, another 20 to do his hair. Yeah. And, and then five to do his nails. Yeah, no kidding. This week, he do a whole hand at once. Yes. And then you got the lion, who's also got the long, blonde locks. Lion? Yeah, I think so. Okay. It's, it's always been describing, you know, long, yeah. blonde locks or whatever. And it's like, okay. Cool, knightly figure. Sure, I get it. The lion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. How's that fence post treating you, bud? <laughs> I'm not letting that go. And no, nor should any of you. But Korak's just like, dude, like, I understand you're trying to be humble, but like, presentable is a good too. <laughs> but presentable means people will see him. True. But Maybe that's a secret. He has such horrible looks. No one wants to, no one wants a, to acknowledge he's there. Such a bad haircut. It's just like, mm, you just called right out of the 80s, didn't you, bud? I mean, the easiest way to be invisible is to look like someone, look like someone that no one wants to acknowledge. <laughs> yeah. That hits close to home for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all jokes aside, he takes the Raven... He, the 19 Legion renames them Raven Guard, all that sort of thing. Does his spiel, puts his personal spin on it, but likes the way that they're operating because that's how he operated with the Guerrilla Warfare during the Kiovar Rebellion, like his rebellion. And further refines that, including using very, very, very unique and unorthodox and completely wholly new tactics and units that the Great Crusade had never seen before. And rev even revolutionizing, I mean, honing to the such where they then got incorporated into the rest of the legions, specifically the Moratat units. Yes. It is actually documented that because he used such unorthodox hit-and-run and these those sorts of style harassing tactics that in a battle simulation basically playing Warhammer with Gilliman yeah. bests him three times using such tactics. Gilliman's like, show me that, you know, let's do it again, you know, best of three. And Korak's like, okay, two and three. Cool. <laughs> and Gilliman's like, all right, rematch. Korax never beats him again. Because it's Gilliman, because of course, you know. Yeah. Pretty boy, you know, toy soldier, Smurf Lord Gilliman. <laughs> sure, he could be humbled three times, but never a fourth. Well, he's the officer. You can't spell officer without officer. <clears throat> you can't spell officer without office. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But all the same, Mordat becomes a fixture in the Legion, a staple in the Legion, but no no other Legions do it better than the Raven Guard because it, the Mordats were the ones who, again, going back to that, just like they just got lost in that kind of like dark, morbid haze of battle where they just complete, completely... I'm going to have two pistols that mm -hmm. are belt-fed so I don't have to worry about reloading. Mm, completely lone wolf. Ha. Just mechanical, unfeeling, unthinking killing machines. And the ones who didn't quite come back from that just became more attacks. Um, Korax developed and pioneered and perfected those to a point that no other Legion could. 
as well, you know, going back, you know, the hit and run tactics, precision strikes, going for vital points of the enemy, not going for the full body blows, but going for going for the hamstring, going for the vital organs, going for things that, you know, finesse of a rapier doing as much damage as a battle axe because of where it's hitting. Which is, again, what Horus very much liked about the Raven Guard when he first met them, but then kind of lost sight of not long after becoming Warmaster. Uh, what's it here? Ba, ba, ba. The, uh, the Akum Sothos Cluster, which had been brought into compliance by Horus himself earlier in the Great Crusade, succumbs to a Xenos Parasite that, once it burrows and has time to um, gestate long enough in human hosts, gains a modicum of control over them. Sends the entire system into rebellion and, and you know denies the imperial truth. Horus, being Horus, and then being Horus, Warmaster Horus, isn't taking this quite so lightly. His legion probably would have been enough. Yeah, but he needs to make a point. He is the newly arisen Warmaster. Not long after he become Warmaster, he's like, all right, I'm going to make a message. Both I'm going to send a message both to all of the systems that might think of rebelling, as well as to all of the legions that I am Warmaster here. I am Warmaster now, and you will answer to me. He brings his Luna Wolves, the Space Wolves, the Iron Warriors, and the Raven Guard. <laughs> to kill it till it's dead. And then some. Yeah. And... Well, you look at those tactics of those four legions, like, perfect. You got the Space Wolves and the Iron Warriors to launch the frontal assault, and, you know, tie up, go on the, you know, storm the wall sort of thing. And then you got the Loon Wolves and Raven Guard striking at the rear quarters and harassing the enemy and going for the precision decapitating strikes to go for the infrastructure behind the lines. The Raven Guard do that while the Loon Wolves go for the command centers. Great. Except Horus kind of just forgot that's how it should have worked because he just insisted that the Raven Guard launch a frontal assault on the, on the enemy's last standout, last holdout. And Quark's is like, or, or, we, the Raven Guard, could do what we do best and distract and rest and draw the enemy's forces away from their last main citadel, while you three then launch a full assault on that with whoever remains and crush them utterly with minimal casualties. And then Perturabo pipes up and he's like, that sounds like you're trying to avoid a fight. You know, dereliction of duty, you coward. And it almost comes to blows. Like, they're, like, very much, like, they are, you know, getting up out of their chairs, and Russ is like, guys! Same team! Same team! And finally, Not Quark's... For is, long. Yeah, and finally, Quark's <laughs> is just like, fine, whatever. Have your little power play, horse. Fine, we'll launch the frontal assault. Fine. See how well this goes for you. And I hope you learned something from this. They launch the frontal assault on, what was it called? Gate 42? Oof! Bad. Now, Quarex knew this was going to go terribly, because this, this is Raven Guard outside of their element in every possible way. Yeah, sure, they're still Space Marines, but this is not how they're used to fighting. They don't do these massive frontal assaults. They just don't. So when, you when selecting units to make the initial assault, you know, Mitchell push, you know, he's talking to all his commanders, and, going and he's selecting the ones that seem the most eager. You know, most of you are like, you know, let's prove ourselves, you know, let's prove that the Raven Guard can do anything. Even if it's not do everything well, we, we still won't back down from this. And who has that kind of pride amongst all the Legion, Legionnaires? The Terranborn. It doesn't go great. It's, <laughs> it's bad. 
and it ends up it ends up costing them almost all of their Terran-born veterans, commanders, everything. And the assault was faltering quite badly under the heavy weight of fire that they're taking. That it took Korax himself leading a second forlorn hope charge, and his battle cry ushering the rest of his legion onwards to eventually secure victory. But the losses were so horrendous that I couldn't find what numbers they were before that. Punched them down to 80,000, making them the smallest legion in, in the Imperium after that assault. They still won, technically, and the decapitation of the enemy warlords, of course, goes to Horus, because has to. And as soon as he does that, you know, the alien parasites are con- controlling everyone, everyone falls out of their spell, and they're just like, oh, wow, that's a lot of space marines. <laughs> Fuck! Neither here nor there. I'm like, what happens, happens after that. But Korax is just like, I hope this soothed your ego, Brother Horus, never ask this of us again. We will not do so again. And kind of distance himself from Horus after this. Like, you know, like, I understand that you're a war master, but there are fucking limits. Do you have any idea how many legionaries you just cost? This was complete, utter waste of resources and manpower. And if you got four legions, why is only one doing a frontal assault? Right? Curb your ego, Horus. Well... Not much longer after that, we get to Istvan Five. Horus, as it turns out, did not curb his ego. No. It actually kind of got worse. <laughs> by a lot. Only a little bit. Yeah, we only had Erebus there fluffing him. Um, and I can't... Have we've, we've talked... Surely we've talked about the drop site massacre at length. Probably, probably some points. You know, we've talked about, you know... Horus' rebellion starts out with just his sons of Horus, the Emperor's children, the World Eaters, and the Death Guard. Purge the ranks in Isfahan 5, book it on Isfahan 3, book it Isfahan 5, and dig in. Seven whole legions go to take take them on. Raven Guard, (laughs) Salamanders, Iron Hands, Word Bearers, Night Lords, and Iron Warriors. Sorry, six whole legions. Alpha Legion. Alpha Legion, sorry, yeah, seven. Yeah... So, you know... They sent they sent three legions to fight seven. As it turns out, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we touched a bit on this in the last episode, where once the betrayal is shown, frickin' Ferris Manus just loses his shit. He's like, I must go kill... And then lost his head. Yeah, I must go kill Fulgrim. And everyone's like, or not. It's like, Takes you know, his first company of veterans, mm-hmm. charges forward, they all die. As well as Ferris. Yes. Meanwhile, Vulcan and Korax agree... The drop side is lost. Fucking book it. Anything that flies, get on it, get out of here. But on the, as you know, as they're trying to organize themselves after the initial ambush, Korax happens upon a traitor Primarch, Lorgar, who I think he actually might have hunted down, hunted, you know, sought out, because he realized this has all the hallmarks of, of everything uh, Logar was doing beforehand. Yes, just in the reverse. This is Lorg. This is Lorgar's doing. Horus might be the archer here, but Lorgar is the cancer at the heart of this rebellion. He needs to die. And this is before Lorgar had really kind of fully committed to the rebellion. He was still having some like uncertainty about it, and he hadn't really kind of fully grown into himself as a warrior at that point. Korax damn near kills him with his lightning claws and has him dead surprise and is about to deliver the killing blow when. Boom! Hobo Batman shows up. Kurs. Kurs shows up, 
and intervenes and is like mocking both Lorgar and Kur and Korax equally. You know, like, you know, mocking Korax for being loyal to the Emperor and mocking Lorgar for being a pathetic little weakling. At which point, you know, Lorgar still got Korax's lightning claw buried and he's like, Did you come to help me or not? Not really. <laughs> and you know, when the when Korax realizes, okay, this is two Primarchs, one of whom is completely insane, and, and the other is Batman. <laughs> well played well played both completely insane in their own ways yeah but one of them is a very competent fighter and if he has one of his little episodes <laughs> could straight up murder kill him because he damn near murder killed Dorn, and we'll get to that at some point in the future he did he did uh several times kill vulcan yeah after this actually <laughs> uh, and so, him so many times yeah and so korax is just like you know what I've said what I need to say. I hope Lorgar, I hope you do not recover from this. I hope I've wounded you good enough to kill you dead. Gotta go. Shit's going sideways. Have fun with this petulant little childish rebellion of yours, Lorgar. And books it. It takes up heavy bolter on the way. His, jet, his jump pack gets damaged in the process. He hops aboard a some flying thing. They're just about to make it, and then he gets shot down. As well as the transports of a lot of the other Raven Guard trying to get off site, off the wor off world. But the, the majority of the Raven Guard went to Istvan Five. They left, I think, a company back on deliverance. And they drew lots for it. The commander's like, you know, who, which of us gets to say, you know, like, I don't, I know, I shouldn't say that. Of just like, straw, 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 cuts, cuts, cuts it. Grab a straw. Shortest one stays. Enough. We've got shit to do, guys. <laughs> Captain, I can't remember his first name, but Captain Bran ends up staying behind on Deliverance, along with the Therian cohort of Imperial Army, who had served alongside the Raven Guard pretty much the entire time Korax had been with them. They were the ones who, after, during the rebellion on, on Kiavar, when they heard of it, they realized that the prisoners and Korax were in the right and were poised to strike at, you know, to do their best to strike at those ground forces down below, I think. My knowledge is a little rusty on that. Point is, they were very loyal to specifically Korax and the Raven Guard. They were kind of fanatics. Not fanatics. No. <laughs> they were, you know, the Raven Guard treated them very much yeah. as equals to the point where Captain Brand considered the commander of the Therian Court, um, Marcus, uh, Marcus Valerius, as an equal. Even though he's a human, he engaged with him, spoke with him as an equal, and kind of they both kind of confided in each other while they're, you know, stuck back on the deliverance. Before they go to Isvan Five, though, Korax takes aside Marcus Valerius and says. Hey, so if I need you, listen for my call. And, Mark, and Valerius is just like, that's cryptic. <laughs> what are you not telling me? Like, is this going to go bad? And Quack's just like, wink, wink, off I go. Well, apparent, well it seems that this was pretty prophetic. Because as the Dropside Massacre is happening after they escape, Marcus Valerius starts having these weird dreams, these nightmares of, these, of ravens being engulfed by fire and calling. And he's just like, this seems like aforementioned call. <laughs> Not quite sure. Still pretty fucking cryptic. Better talk to Captain Bran about this. And he finds Captain Bran. And Bran's just like, you want to ship out to Istvan 5, an active Astartes war zone, because of a dream? Are you high? I mean, I, I understand we're on a moon, but are you high? <laughs> like, like, Korax... Are fi is fine. The traitors are crushed as we speak. There are seven 
Whole legions, what do you think you and your troopers could do in the face of that kind of brutal combat? And that point, Valerius kind of snaps and just like, we would actually be there. We will go even if you if you stay here, because we will actually be here while you sit here on your ass. And Brand's like, if you try to go, I'll blow your ships out of the goddamn sky. And Valerius is just like, yeah, we'll see about that. Loads up his ships in secret and starts leaving, and then the orbital fences start locking on, and then hails, and Brand's like, I told you this is what was going to happen. And at this point, Valerius has been haunted by dreams every single time, and he's just like, Korax needs us. Get your dudes. Let's go. Seriously. And if we get there and nothing is amiss, I will resign as commander. And I will face whatever punishment you or Korax have for my disobedience. Fine, I'm willing to stake my entire family's reputation on that. Brand's like, Alright, fine. And they go. Meanwhile, Korax and the survivors of the Dropsite Massacre have just been fighting a non-stop guerrilla warfare through the Urgal Depression on Isfahan 5 for months. Months on end. They're grabbing whatever they possibly can just to keep fighting. They, the, re the relief force from Deliverance gets there, but Captain Brandon has an odd thought as they, you know, kind of coast by Istvan 3, like, something seems off about this. And Valerius, and he's like, you need to send your, the bulk of your Imperial Army vessels off this way to draw attention while we get closer, while we, because they don't have the cloaking devices that the Raven Guard ships do. We, something is definitely wrong here, we need to be careful. You know, send them off this way, keep them out of harm's way, we'll come get them on our way out. And these Raven, the Raven Guard ships continue on, they engage their stealth fields. A world leader's vessel is in the direct path above Istvan 5, and they see all this happen, like, oh wow, yeah, shit went super sideways. How are we ever going to get past this? And a world leader vessel in their way and manages to detect them just by pure happenstance. All poised to deliver the killing blow. The, all the systems on the Raven Guard vessel were dedicated to, were powers put towards the stealth fields. None of the weapons or shields are up online and operational, ready to receive any sort of fighting action. All the world leader vessels are powered up, got them targeted, and then suddenly untargeted and drift away. Because on the on the world leader's vessel, one of the sub captains of the commanders of the world of the world leader's captain pulls off Max like, "Ha ha! I'm Alfarius!" Blow! Kills the captain. He's like, "We're going that way. Let him through." And everyone's like, "Oh, what?" And he's like, "Trust me." Lord Alfarius has plans for this. And I'm just like, we don't know who's fucking loyal on the ship. <laughs> Let's just do it. Because at least then we'll still be alive. Raven Guard vessels get through. Right as Korax and the survivors of the Dropside Massacre are being cornered by pretty much the entire World Leaders Legion, including Angron. They are ready to die. They cannot retreat any further. They... It's a good run. We will be avenged, but let's make this count. Korax was like, you know, I could best a lot of my brothers, but not Angron. He just far and above, just not even with fighting skill, just raw ferocity would outdo Korax. Like, I could last for a little bit, but it, Angron will eventually kill me. Getting ready to go. Re getting ready for the final battle. World leaders are shelling them. Missiles, whirlwinds, artillery, everything. And then suddenly, the missiles are going the wrong way. They're going away from the Raven Guard, slamming into the world leaders and delaying them. And Raven Guard dropships come in, and because, you know, 
betrayal had just happened 98 days before the drop the loading ramps the boarding ramps open and all the raven guard legions immediately point guns at like this is a fucking trick they they took they repainted <laughs> their dropships to catch us off guard dropships up boarding decks open they're empty marcus valerius comes over he's like lord korax we have a small window everyone on board let's go and they managed to escape uh, but only just barely even as they're on the dropship, of course, like, cool, we're off the planet. We are not out of harm's way. And they barely just, like, you know, they, they escape and they think they're pursued by, they might have been pursued by a Death Guard vessel. Because, of course, it's a Death Guard. Yeah. But they still manage to ultimately escape that. And before they, you know, they get into the warp, like, where the hell do we go? They we go back to Deliverance? Of course, like, nope, we're going to Terra. I need to speak with the Emperor. Because we don't know who else, if anyone else, made it out of this he needs to know what happened we need to give him a, we need to give the we need to give Terra itself a full account of what has happened here and I have demands now <laughs> and everyone's like okay sure set course for Terra I guess now going back to the Alpha Legion for a second because we mentioned you mentioned earlier like why the Raven Guard would hate fighting the Alpha Legion it's like cool cut off the head of the snake Three more. Head of the Hydra, three more pop up. Well, the Alpha Legion had a plan all along for Isfahan 5. Because they assumed that there was some sort of chaos that was going to happen. So they had their apothecaries go and literally remove the faces of fallen loyalist legionaries, as well as fallen traitor legionaries, to plant their own legionaries amongst all the others as operatives. But in order for that to work, they couldn't know who their other operatives were. They just knew that they would be contacted, you know, different times throughout by higher powers. Oh my god, because, you know. Yeah. Management by walking around. Well, the Raven Guard have a lot of such infiltrators amongst them. Even as they're making way to Terra. One of whom, all of whom, and some of whom actually make it to the surface of Terra. Alpha Legionnaires, traitors already on the surface of Terra, just after the drop site massacre. Koras goes storming into the Imperial Palace. Well, tries to is met by Dorn, and he's like, hey, so, and Dorn's like, how'd that go? He's like, I will. Not he, well. <laughs> I have some choice words. <laughs> but not for you, not for Malkador. Where is our father? And Malkador's like, the Emperor's institution. He's like, and of course, he's like, fucking bullshit. Horus, half the legions have rebelled, and he's in seclusion. I demand to talk with him. You, Malkador, you may be his regent, but you are not my equal. You will not bar me from an audience with my father. Malkador's just like, <sighs> And at this point, Korax had been wounded throughout all the 98 days of fighting. At this point, he starts to succumb to his wound because he's just like, at his limits, just like, I need to talk to him. And like, eventually just collapses from his wounds, opens his eyes, and just pure white room, you know, golden light and everything like that. And there's the Emperor sitting on a chair, and he's like, What do you need, my son? <laughs> Cycling objection in course like where are we? He's like neither here nor there. Time's a factor here. What do you want, bud? <laughs> like I'm kinda busy fighting another war. Like, yes, I understand things have gone a little sideways out there. Things have gone a little sideways down below as well. I'm dealing with that too. Like I can't be everywhere. I'm yeah, I'm the Emperor. I can't be everywhere at once. I'm not I'm not Alfarius. <laughs> I put a little bit too much of myself into that fucker. <laughs> Turns out I tra traded that ability. And Quark's like all right, so, like, I've got 3,000 legionaries left after starting out with 80 going into this retribution fleet. Um, that 3,000 is not enough to operate a 
particularly vast compliance campaign, let alone a civil war. Give me a way to keep fighting Horus. Give me a way to replenish my ranks quickly. Truly, you have a way. And Emperor's like, <sighs> are you going to leave if I say no? And Quark's like, no. I came all this way. And he's like, all right, fine, fine, fine. All right, so. Shed, backyard. Stuff I, stuff details about how I made you guys and specifically then the legions. You can have that, but there's a little bit of a caveat. What? It's kind of protected by a labyrinth. Labyrinth. Okay, I'm a Primarch. I can, I can navigate a labyrinth. This one's special because it's actively, it's not a static labyrinth. It's actively trying to fight and eat you. If you can't outsmart it, it will kill everyone who goes in, including you. Like, constantly shifting platforms and walkways and everything, including active... In other words, he had Zinch design it. Kinda, yeah. And he's like, but if anyone's going to be able to outsmart and best this labyrinth, it's going to be a Primarch, so... Good luck, Good champ! Luck. <laughs> you can take some of the custodians with you if you want. And Crush is like, fine, whatever. And then Malcolm, you know, comes to you and Malcador and Dorn's like, um, yeah, you good? He's like, yeah, we got things to do. Explains the plan, and Malcolm's like, you're taking those custodians whether you want it or not. And Quark's like, oh my god, fine, let's just go. Goes to the labyrinth, and it's a doozy. Ends up claiming a few legion, like, you know, a few dozen legionaries in the process of Quark's figuring it out and how it's pathing. Turns out he just has to make, because it's an ever-reactionary labyrinth, it reacts to people going through it. So he's like, all right, I just need to get it to, I need to trip the reactions in just a certain sequence of ways that it just locks. It just brain freeze, <laughs> locks mechanisms. And that totally happens. He's like, cool, we've got all, you know, comes in. Cool, dad shed. Yeah, this is all the all the legionary stuff. That looks like primary stuff. And Kasodi's like, yeah, that is not what he said you could take. <laughs> <laughs> they grab it, book it back to the deliverance. The apothecaries, even on the way, start, you know, like, looking at this, like, I recognize some of these words and numbers. <laughs> this is complex shit, Quark. And Quark's like, yeah, figure it out. And they're like, I wasn't even the chief apothecary before Istvan. Like, I was a, like, I got understudy at best, but <laughs> sure. What? Yeah, I'll try. Let's give it a go. Manages to figure it out. So did the Alpha Legion amongst them. Omegon is actually on Kievar down below. Incognito, because... Well, he's always incognito. Well, incognito, but, like, incognito among the populace. Like, not even in his armor yeah. or nothing. Like, he's in, like, like native ropes and stuff like that. Just, like, bulked up. It's like... I mean, sure, I guess. And he's also inciting civil unrest and rebellion with the nobility that kind of still resent Korax, but didn't really have a choice to rebel because, you know, Space Marines trump whatever the fuck they could bring to bear. So there's Omegon, he's like, nah, man, you got this! You can do these guys! And he's like, but Space Marines, he's like, nah, 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 they've just, like, trust me, I've heard from outside sources that they are not as strong, they're not as numerous as they once were. You will be able to overwhelm them if you have enough force. And like, hmm, okay, we'll think about this. Ravenguard figuring all the gene tech stuff out, and they managed to accelerate the Astartes transformation process to the point where they're able to replenish the ranks very quickly. The Alpha Legion seen this like, just gonna change these ones and zeros around a little bit and wait. Process goes well for all the new inductees until a certain point in the maturation of all the you know additional organs and crap that goes into them. Where they just kind of start mutating to these giant, like, clawed, deformed monsters. Right as the um, Raven Spire is coming under siege by all these uh, rebellious Kiavar nobles, shit's gone sideways. 
and after the mutations happen, Korax and the apothecary is just like, just tuck them in the closet. We'll deal with that. We'll figure that out. But something went wrong. We'll figure it out. One of the operatives stole all the stuff. Time, you know, everyone's time to book it out. The only way they can tell when operatives are nearby is just by this, like, probably pretty annoying clicking in their inner ear because of implants that are planted in other Alpha Legion. So they know when an Alpha Legion area is close, but they don't know who until that final, like, you know, all right, showtime. And they go to this place where, you know, they were told, they were given instruction from Ogon, like, hey, when shit goes sideways, go here. One of you grab, one of you's going to grab the stuff, go here. And they go there, like, wait, one of us is a lord, is one of the high commanders of the Raven Guard? <laughs> what? Well, one of the other lord, actual Raven Guard had figured all this out. Just like, hey, this seems fishy. This guy's acting weird. And he figured it out. I was like, hmm, all right. So, I'm going to go down the Raven Spire, and I'm going to just wait by these Thunderhawks because shit's going to get inside ways. I'm going to grab a last can and wait by this Thunderhawk and just, because I know that's what they're going to take to get out of here. Sure enough, the Lord Commander, yeah, you know. Thunderhawks easy to steal. They are. Yeah. <laughs> they are. They are. Yeah, I know. That course made their comments. Yeah. Like, Why are these new things so easy that anyone can steal them? <laughs> they were, though. Like, you don't even need a hot wire or nothing. Just hop in and go. Yeah. Paid all the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's the Alpha Legion, they had, you know, kind of Joker-style instructions like, yeah, so when you all get here, this guy kills that guy, and then that guy kills another guy. So only a few of you are meant to get out alive, even though none of you know who it is. Like, you just have all these instructions that, you know, somehow it's going to work out because plot. Finally, just the Lord, the one just incognito commander and just a random spudly make it. And the one Raven Guard commander just like, you know, Tell us all you have to whatever, and he's like, or counterpoint. And they look at each other and just stab each other through the throat rather than reveal the secret. And the guy's just like, ha. Meanwhile, Omegon steals the gene tech because it was a classic misdirection the entire time. But now they've got all these mutated Raven Guard down below, and Korax is just like, and we lost the gene tech. Fuck! Dad specifically <laughs> told me. Don't lose this shit. Specifically, even more, don't let the traitors get their hands on it. Fuck! He's gonna be pissed. But they got all these mutated legionaries, and like, you know what? Because when the Raven's Pirate came under attack, they actually thwarted some of the Alpha Legionnaires without armor, nothing. They're just like, you know what? We're gonna tank these older shells, because some of them actually totally could with their mutations. Yeah. So they had special armor fitted for them, in addition to the Mark VI that they brought back from the Soul System. That was like, hey... Mars is like, hey, Korax, we made this armor named after you. And he's like, cool, mine. We made this, made this armor after you. There's all prototypes, and there's only about 3,000 suits. Like, perfect! That's how many I've got! Mine! Mars is like, but that, we were, we were going to send those to other legions. Not anymore. They don't need it. It's not a question of who's going to let me, who's going to fucking stop me. I'm goddamn Corvus Korax! Yes, yes, you're Raven Raven. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the writers of GW sometimes struggle with names. Like... Candace Wolfborn, or otherwise is known as Wolfie McWolfface. <laughs> like. Anger. Anger, yeah. Anger on. Anger on. Or, you know, Ferris Manus, Primarch of the Iron Hands. Ferris Manus, Iron Hand. Yep. Great. Or, sorry, Metal Hands. Metal Hands. Awesome. Awesome. <sighs> Nathan, sometimes lore is very frustrating for me. <laughs> I think it's hysterical. I mean, it's great. It's all very well. It's usually very well written, but there's sometimes just like, you couldn't have run that by like one other person. Well, consider this. 
Do you really think they'd have thought it'd have blown up like this? No, no, ago? I don't. No, I don't. Thirty years ago, we need to come up with twenty names. Well, fuck. How about eighteen? Good enough. <laughs> they got eighteen. Like, got eighteen, but we're just we're stumped on the other two. Like the other two, like we've got ideas, but man, they are dumb. How do we make them semi-unique from every other legion out there? Let's just make them mysterious and like how mysterious? Like lost and forgotten mysteries. We just won't talk about them. All right, Perfect. Lost and forgotten. Done. Done. Like. Lost and Forgotten is then, you know, Lost and Forgotten, or Lost, comma, and Forgotten. Yes. That's how vague they are, and it's, oh my god, I hate it, Nathan. Because <laughs> they allude to it so much, they're just like, we could tell you. They, well, here's the, they've alluded it so well, they can't reveal it They can't, because it wouldn't be good enough. Nothing would be good enough. It'd be like Valve making a third game. They can't have it live up to the hype. It'd be Duke Nukem Forever Syndrome all over again. Exactly. But in Lord, that'd be ultimately more disastrous. Anyway, <laughs> heresy happens, but the rest of the heresy continues, marches on. Ravengard are involved in other things across, just doing guerrilla warfare across the stars. I'm not all that caught up on the lore. I know that they also, oh, the Ravengard before, uh, you know, with their mutated legionaries, launch an assault on what Fulgrim dubbed the perfect fortress. With their newly, they take their newly made legionaries as well as the newly founded Therian cohort, because all the dudes that, you know, brands like, hey, Send him out of harm's way. He apparently just sent him to die by accident. Like, they did not make it back. And they're like, oops. My bad. And while Korax was super, you know, glad to be rescued, after, you know, when they're going down to Terra, Korax turns to Bran and like, as much as I appreciate your timely arrival at Ispawn, Captain, stay where I put you this time. <laughs> <laughs> and Bran's just like, motherfucker! I saved your life! But, yeah, they launched this all on the perfect fortress, which, you know, it was built in such a way where, like, the defenses were also built into the habitation units. The habitation units were built in the way, you know, they were aesthetically pleasing, but also as tough as nails as bunkers. And Fulgrim's like, nothing will ever get through this, and, you know, distant laughter from Pertural, which is like, that's adorable. Korax thought so as well. Torched the place. No fucking problem. Because, you know, the, the Emperor's children left behind there weren't really expecting to be attacked by really anyone because it was kind of just tucked away because Fulgrim didn't want his perfect fortress to actually be put to the, any real test. And Korax is just like, I need some payback. Torches the place. No fucking problem. And the Emperor's children, as they see these mutated legions come like loping and lumbering out of the shadows like the Raven Guard do, like, what is happening? I didn't know we were getting word bearer reinforcements. Right. The golf are backer here. <laughs> right. Um, oh, speaking of word bearers, there was, you know, a, one of the word bearer chaplains still on uh, deliverance because, you know, the chaplains were sent everywhere. Yeah. And Korax, when, you know, upon returning from Terra, sends word ahead, you know, fucking lock that bastard into the dungeon. I'll deal with him in a second. Goes down, you know, and one of the leaders, you know, one of the, I think Captain Ben's like, let me talk to him, Terry. Let's see if, you know, what I can get out of him. Open the, you know, they open the cell door. As soon as the cell door opens, Korax, you know, stiffens, shoves Bran out of the way, goes in, you know, what do you know? He's like, I don't know, you know, what do you know about this, you know, the tra you know, the traitor, the treasonous Horus in the rebellion? And he's like, I, whatever are you talking about? And Korax is like, yeah, I thought so. Kill. <laughs> and Bran's like, what was that? And he's like, you weren't there, so I'll forgive you this once time, this one time. But the traitors had a smell to them on his fun five, and it was the stench of chaos, and that one was ripe with it. 
He knew exactly what was going to happen. He had to die. Branch is like, Okay, this is a completely new kind of war. Awesome. Great. Meanwhile, the gene tech, we're going to delve a little <laughs> bit into the Alpha Legion a little bit, because it is does tie in. Horus, not too pleased, you know, with the whole, hey, you commandeered a world leader's vessel without asking literally anyone. And, Al and Alpha is like, I had a plan. <laughs> and Horus is like, you had your plan. was like, gene tech. He's like, you're going to give that to Fabius right fucking now. And Alpha is just like, nope. And Horus is like, excuse you? He's like, I'm going to give you, Fabius, some of it. Here. I'm keeping the full, complete data. And Horus is like, I could kill you right now. And Alpha is like, yeah, but you won't. And walks out. <laughs> and gets away with it. Gets away with it. And he's like, but you won't. Because you don't know which of my legionaries are mine and which are yours in your legion. Also, you know I'm not having the whole complete data on me. Mm -hmm. You're still not getting it. Yeah. But yeah. then you're going to have one less legion loyal to you. Yep. You know, and the one, yeah. you know, the, the one that you actually, you, that you both sides, like, we need these guys on our, like, that, like, yeah, the, huge boon. Well, the one that's been fighting space, the, the practicing how to take out space raids before it was even a concept. Yeah, and that's actually one of the things that the Alpha Legionaries, when they were doing just drills on the ship going to Terra just to pass time, um, slipped up and used an Alpha Legion tactic to take doing a takedown in one of the uh -huh. space rings. And the and the new and one of the sergeants like, "What was that? That's not that's not Raven, one of our doctrines." Like, uh, 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 I, thought uh, the, I thought it was with the Ultra Marines. Mm -mm. Okay. No, it was the Alpha, and, and he's just like, uh, um, um, I, I I saw one of the traders do it on Isfahan. He's like, hmm. Awesome. Teach that to the rest of the squad base. That's going to be invaluable. <laughs> and the guy's just like, sure. Crap. <laughs> just level the playing field a little bit. Fuck. Oh, only they know it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's 30k for, for, for Raven Guard. Because they, they understandably set out the battle there because they just did not have... They would not have made much well, of an impact. And I think they might have gotten hounded elsewhere. Also, at best, they would have been behind the traitor legions. Mm -hmm. Which... Objectively speaking, maybe not the best place to be. Actually, yes. They have artillery. I Go harass them. I suppose, but it would only have lasted so long. Yeah. Because by the time the traders got to Terra, they had more than just space marines. Yeah. They had things that could stand watch all day long, all night long, and didn't need day or night to see things in the dark. Raven Guard wouldn't be able to hide from that. No. Not even Corex. Oh, Corex. He was super bitter about uh, Istvan Five. Yeah. Um, but also, like you know, super bitter and super unsure of how the Imperium was going to view Space Marines from that point on. Like he goes in, you know, stealth walks back to the, where the dropsite massacre happened, just sees just these the sea of dead Astartes bodies, traitor loyalists alike. And apparently, for the first and last time in his life, he actually wept. He's like, "Will the Imperium ever trust us again?" Nope. And then thought, "Should they?" ever trust us again and ultimately decided that at that point in time it didn't really matter <laughs> bigger fish to fry um but as far as after the heresy i don't think the raven guard were objectively opposed to the codex astartes they weren't objectively opposed to it they just didn't really adhere to it very well yeah they kind of took it like this is neat but we're gonna we're gonna adapt this you to know how we, we fight you know we don't fight like this right right 
But at that point, because Korax, like, strangely, like the Salamanders, you know, was one of the most decimated legions. You know, Korax, I've only got like 3,000 legionaries. Vulcan, I've only got like 3,000 legionaries. I'm not changing, Vulcan, I'm not changing, my, I'm not delving in the chapters. And Gilman's like, oh my god, fine, shut up. Well, let's be honest, Vulcan and Gulvin did not like each other. Not really, no. 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 Which I was really hoping, the sec- I was really hoping still the second, ultra- the second oldest primer to come back is Vulcan, just because <laughs> uh-huh. that'd be hysterical. Yeah. Whereas Quark's just like, whatever. Like, it ultimately makes him a more autonomous, more fluid fighting force compared to the Raven Guard, even further by not having such a chain of command that needs to spread over such a far. Right, cool. Two new chapters. In second founding, at least. Yep. And going back to the beginning of the podcast... Space Sharks. Yes. I don't think they were the second. They were actually, I want to see... One of the later foundings, but yes. Yeah. One of their subsequently founding chapters descended from the Raven Guard. Space Sharks. The Kachardons. were charged with hunting down the Imperium's enemies beyond the realm, uh, beyond the reach of the... Astro- of the um, Astronomicon. Astronomicon. Just past, just on the edge of Lysithian, they could sort of navigate by it a little bit, mostly just to figure out, okay, that's the border. We're going that way. Yep. We're going the opposite way. And every once in a while, they come into Imperial space. And everyone's like, please... Don't, just don't come, just go. Just like, like cool, thanks, but like. Oh, uh, we got these space raids. They're, they're kind of bloody all over, but they're not word be- world eaters. Or word bearers, and they're. They're well, fighting with us? But also, like, you know, they're fighting with us, but like, we just feel dirty. Because, <laughs> man, space wolves can learn a thing or two from the viciousness of the Chardons. <laughs> Yeah, oh. mostly them versus the executioners during the Badab Wars. Yeah, yeah. Not a, no one left standing. Not a single one. They all died to a man fighting each other. Several of them were dead stabbing each other. Yes, and I, the Badab Wars have come up a couple of times in recent podcasts because it come up came up um, last episode during the Salamanders one because Salamanders present yeah. the Badab War. Um, and I said then I was like, I feel like we've done a Badab Wars we podcast. Have. Okay, cool. We have, cool. I never, I never bothered to check. Because <laughs> I think I have got a lot of other podcast stuff, related stuff to do. Like it's like, cool, I could go check or edit podcast. But yeah, might be, might be worth doing an updated one of those. Probably. We have to go back and listen to find out what we did. Yeah. But in any case, Raven Guard, forty k, still doing the same thing that they've been doing since the Great Crusade. But as kind of like unseen, like we said at the beginning, unseen beacons of hope, just like, hope, you know, Space Marines coming, hopefully they're already here in the Raven Guard. But as far as Lost Primer, because Korax became one of them, in like the whiniest, whingiest, angstiest <laughs> sort of way, that's like generally, genuinely upsetting, because he was honestly such a badass up until this point. Like, yeah, he was a yep. little angsty, but like, given the background lore during the, you know, you know pre-heresy and Great Crusader, you're like, cool, he kind of had every right to be angsty about this shit. Then after the Harry's, you know, cool, sticks around, he's like, ah, that sucked. That really sucked. Fuck never this. Again. Fuck this. And he goes into the warp, and the last transmission anyone fucking hears from him is just, never more. It's like, damn it, you fucking writers! <laughs> you were doing so well! Now, granted, I guess most of the cool lore came after that little bit one, that yeah. one, so it's like, ah, redemption, you did okay, but can we retcon that so that's not the last thing he said? Because, man... Awesome to bleh, real quick. Real quick. Ha. Eh. Still not as upsetting as about those fucking wolf and Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if they made models for the, uh, what is it, they call them the raptors? 
Yeah, the ones the mutated river. Yeah. Dark. That'd be fucking awesome, Nathan. Like, technic like oil but technically mutated space rings. That'd be fucking awesome. I mean, awesome. you already have those. They're called Wolfen. <laughs> then you can have it in both your chapters. Yeah. But these ones would be objectively, the Raven Guard ones would be objectively cool because they modified their armor to fit over their mutations. So, you know, they're not just hulking out of them. Like, they modified their gauntlet so, you know, if they had, like, extended claws or whatever to cover up and, you know, where their flesh would cover and then the claws, you know, would come out of the auto, but, you know, sealed so it's, you know, still a vacuum. And if they had that, you know, if they were still able to hold bolters, close combat bolts, whatever. But if not cool, they've got these ginormous fuck off Raven actual talons. Cool. I'd be okay with that. I honestly would. I would, Nathan. I don't. Um, until they make them. Maybe. <laughs> if, until Games Workshop makes them. If Forge World makes them, oh my god, give me that shit. Because look at the Galvorback. Yes. If they give him the Galvorback treatment, oh, uh, here's my wallet, take my money. Speaking of Forge World, have you seen the uh, new Primera Super Heavy Tank? I have, yeah. It's pretty cool. I was really excited that I saw I was like, oh, it's Forge World, <laughs> damn it. It's going to be a bitch and a half to build. No, it's like, cool, that's going to be like, you know, 500 bucks. Yes, that too. And also a bitch and a half to build, Nathan. Come on. It's a four-wheel vehicle. They all are. You're not wrong. <laughs> like, look cool, but man, you work for it. <laughs> you really work for it. Ah. The Raven Guard, what more to be said? You know, opposing, oppo- opponents of tyranny across the galaxy, but, you know, some have kind of, you know, really morbid murder tendencies <laughs> to yes. the point where like they pioneered a whole new type of unit during the great crusade based around that which you know comes to my favorite did they uh, did they, did they uh, engineer the destroyers i think that actually might have been more along the lines of the death guard yeah, as far as using but they're more they're very mobile though yeah and death guard aren't that's true they might have Actually, you know, they might have, yeah. Just our, about their, their purpose is to go out there and just kill everything. And be really fast about it, yeah, and yeah. use just horrendous weaponry, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And Ford has the only ones who could join them. Yep. That's true. Nathan, I fucking love Mortats. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. It, like, it's a fucking 40k, sorry, 30k gunslinger. Yes. Like, yeah. Give me that, especially the, spe- the named one the Raven Guard have, Katie is next. Oh my god, this Fulcrum hand cannon, he's more chatting with shotguns. Yeah. Which, in theory, sounds great. I have yet to actually get any real traction use out of him, because I kind of just throw him at the wrong things. Well, you it- also throw him into combat. Well, yes, because you can use those Fulcrum hand cannons in combat, and they will... They do well in combat. They are viable they close combat weapons. They do decent in combat. They don't do well in combat. They do decent in combat. They, they, do, they can do decent combat. They don't do well in combat against the things that he's been thrown at because the only times I've actually fielded into my knowledge, Nathan, I have thrown him at your goddamn bloodthirsters from your demon kin. <laughs> and then, oh, surprise, Horus. <laughs> Just saying. No, I said, Korax himself, again, has also been thrown in those particular meat grinders and did better, at least. He does really good until he goes against another Primarch. Yes. Rules-wise, if Korax does not kill another Primarch outright, he will not do it 
but he can get damn close to killing another Primarch outright in one round. Yeah, like you were fucking nervous that first time him and Horus faced off. You're, like sure. it happened just like, oh shit. I think that's the only time Horus died to one wound. Yeah, and that was first round too. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And Horus just like, that was adorable. <laughs> but now. Yeah, I also failed the blind check. Yeah, that was pretty critical. And then you made me need sixes to hit him. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's like, you're blind and also fuck you. <laughs> Like, the six of the hit, sure, the blind check was mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, failing a blind check, just, come on. Yeah. Literally, just don't roll a six, and you rolled a six. Yep. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I would have hit you on fives. Yep. Well, no, because then I would need, I would have still would have done thing. Hey, you need six to hit, or, no. No, because it's, it's, that's right. You make it so that I'm, um. Minus one to Minus hit. one to hit, yep. and blind check makes it, I'm almost go one. Yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, as far as Raven Guard tactical, you know, hit and run, all that sort of thing, but that can also, you know, you don't necessarily need to do fast moving. Like, a lot of people Beyond use... hit and run, they also have the snipers. Yeah. The more mm. Deathans. Yeah, the more Deathans. I love those. Especially with their flamers that run on fives once per game. Nathan, I still haven't done that to you. No, you haven't, but that is still, like, the most, the, like, the scariest thing they could do. It is. And, I, and I've been aware of that the whole time. I was like, I could. But I don't want to be that mean. Because one of us needs to not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for the day. I know. It might happen, honestly. Pretty sure it will. I've got the bits for it. Oh, yeah. i got the bits for it by now. Like, I totally could. And goddamn, you'd deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> you would fucking deserve it. Though, you know, yeah, sure, more defense with the rending flamers. That's, that's gross. But, like, I also did break the Moritat. Yeah. On accident, and I technically was not legally able to. Yeah. But given that it was a one-time thing, it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. No way to put it. <laughs> and with the way that my the rest of my forces had fared that game, I fucking earned it. Yeah. Because me and Brad did that all wrong, and he knows it. Because he was playing Iron Warriors at the time. Cool. It was fucking gate 42 all over again. He sent the fucking Raven Guard in at the frontal assault when he should have been doing that shit. Well, Raven Guard sitting back providing fire support. That's how it should have done. It's like, no, you're charging. It's like, mm, horrendous casualties, attrition, attrition, attrition. Meanwhile, Iron War is like, we're fine. The more attached is like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy this. That's what the more I was thinking. I didn't realize that was what was about to happen because I just read, I, like, hey, yeah, infinite sixes. Cool. All that dice roll sixes. Hey, chain fire. I didn't put two and two together because I suck at math, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> like, Depending on the day, if you ask me what 2 plus 2 is, I'll have to think about it. Just saying. So, you know. Maybe that's why I don't have that one list that everyone in Shield Wall hates. I'm just not altogether there enough to make one. And also, I just... I could, maybe. Barely what one wanted list? To. All I do is... <laughs> yeah. All the cultists? I'm strangely okay with that. Just because, like, yeah, sure, you'll eventually overwhelm me, but, like, it'll be funny the entire damn time. And when I shoot at them, they bleed. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with just, like, this horde of cultists, because, like, I'll still enjoy it. Like, even if I'm just I'm not killing enough of them, I'm still killing them, Nathan! Uh, I don't think I ever used this on you, but I used it, I guess, Brad. The Demon Kid of Cord with minimal squads of cultists. Like, as many squads as possible, all of them eight man. I was... Yeah, you... You have not done that on I me. Mean, you did the precursor to that on me. You didn't do eight of them, but you did a lot of them. It's, it's and, uh, because if you kill, shoot the ball, I get a bloodthirster. 
I know. If you kill them all in combat, I get two. I know. You're a bastard-coded bastard with bastard feeling, Nathan. Thank you. That was a compliment, yes. <laughs> oh, I do believe that is everything that there is to say about Ravenguard that I can think of. For now. For now, and I'm sure I've missed a lot. Uh, you covered 30k really well. Well, 40k, currently their chapter master is... Is, yeah, um, what's his face? Um, why am I... Kayvon Shrike. Yes. He went from third captain? Uh-huh, to being chapter master during mm. the Damocles campaign against the yeah, Tau. That's right. Where the chapter master, the other chapter, his predecessor died. Yes. And it was a, well, let me quantify this. It was about time he made, he was he made into a chapter master, because, like... He's the only named character from the Raven Guard. Seriously. He's the only Raven Guard character that there's any real amount of lore on. Yeah. So, like, why is he the only, why is he only the third captain? Because um, the better the ones that are better than him, you don't realize they're there. <laughs> they're so good at being sneaky that there's just not enough known about them. Lore requires witnesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, okay, there is one thing I did gloss over at the beginning of the Great Crusade. We're going back all the way to the beginning. Um, I can't believe I missed this. Um, bah, bah, bah. Yeah, so it was during, it was right after they left Terra during the scouring of Lesithia against, like, these, like, pseudo-psychic Xenos types. Shit went really intense in a big way that, 90% of the veterans of that campaign were recalled from active service and never saw service again. They never left Terra because just, like, something bad touched their minds real bad. Like, they went full Mortat in, like, a big way. Like, catatonic. Like, they couldn't, like, even respond, apparently. Like, But, like, there were, like all the veterans never saw combat again. And the only reference to that campaign is, like, a stylized X and, like, like a glyph of like a runic glyph from Lithosia that only certain amount that only certain warriors wore. The one veteran that actually did make it off back into active service was because he got punted down before he could get too badly scarred. Got so badly maimed he ended up becoming a dreadnought. The only reason he returned to active service because he wasn't there for the duration of all the horrors that happened. And of course, because Gate 42, he didn't live. <laughs> I'm really upset about that, Nathan. <laughs> Because it could have gone so much better. Yeah. Raven Guard. Intense as fuck. But you'll never see him coming. No. Just as it should be. And unlike other Space Marine forces who rely very heavily on fast-moving mobile armor predators and that world and such, Raven Guard, gunships. Gunships, gunships, gunships. Because it is so much easier to hide things in orbit and strike from above like that than... Well, yes. Right next to the darkness of space, a few black flyers will go unnoticed. Yes. Which makes you wonder why I painted the wings on one white. Clouds. If you painted the underside white. I did. Okay. <laughs> I painted both sides white. <laughs> it's up there somewhere. Yeah, I see it. With the top and bottom wings white. And like a lot. And so, you know, snipers are like that. But people like to use the blah, 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 assault troops. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense for Raven Guard wise because you can lightning claws and whatever. Sure. But I've always used, and you've been there since the beginning of me using Raven Guard. I've always used like World War II paratrooper style fire and maneuver. I'm the I'm the one Raven Guard player who doesn't who's like. Yeah, I like gunships, but I also like rhinos and tanks and stuff. Fire and maneuver. You don't like building gunships. I 
fucking love building gunships, Nathan. I'm just not very good at building the Storm Raven. <laughs> you haven't built the four old ones yet. It's true. I know. I only built the one Storm Raven. Yeah. I, Nathan, I've built a lot of Storm Talons, and you know it. Yeah. Uh, Storm Talons. They're fun. They are. It's a lot easier to shoot down now. Yeah, they are. No shit. <laughs> like, because I brought one to our yeah. last game, and man, they just need some bodyguards. Yep. Sorry, not bodyguards. Meat shields. But I do believe that is all there is to say on Raven Guard. They are intense. You'll never see them coming. They are weird as hell to look at. But ultimately, they are technically the good guys. One way to look at them. One way to look at them. And out of all the space marines who, like, you'd think, like, wouldn't have a whole lot of compassion or care for mortal human life, they surprisingly do. Like, Leia, the saviors of the of the oppressed and downtrodden, because they that's where they started. Them and salamanders. Yeah. Salamander take it a bit more personally. Yeah. <laughs> they come to blows over that shit, <laughs> which we discussed in the last podcast. Hey, Patrick. I hope you enjoyed that last podcast about the salamanders, bud. I hope you enjoyed this one, too. And for the rest of you, thank you all very much for listening to this episode of Lore Council. And as always, wherever you're listening to it, be it SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever, subscribe so that you get it as soon as it goes up, rather than relying on me making the announcement on Instagram. Speaking of which, if you've got cool... Raven Guard minis that any Raven Guard players out there, there are not nearly enough pictures of your of yours, so we would love to see some cool Raven Guard minis. Either share, show us on Instagram or head over to our Facebook and post them there, or any other minis you got working on, because we love to see your work in progress stuff. And if you've got any suggestions for future lore council topics, or topics for any other podcast series that we've got, be sure to head over to our Facebook and let us know, because we do take suggestions. Now, numerically speaking, the next one is Big 20, so we've got the Alpha Legion next, and man, that's going to get confusing real quick, Nathan. Yes, <laughs> like, it will. It's going to be some beautiful mind shit. Yes. But until next time, friends, thank you all very much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye!